As the 49ers and Chargers kick off the game for Sunday Night Football, it's time to take a look at the good, the bad, and the box score. Week 10 of the good, the bad, and the box score is here. I am Wyatt. You can find me on Twitter at YP underscore FF. This week, I am joined by Tim, who you can find on Twitter at nubs, double N, double B. Tim, how are you doing on this fine Sunday with all this offense today? Oh, I'm amped. We just got off the Packer game where they were able to get the win in overtime. I'm, I'm amped up. Seeing Aaron Rodgers throw one of the game-winning blocks, we're good. <laughs> yeah, today has been, I think, like an incredible day of football. There, you know, we got... Uh, football in Germany to start the day early, and it was great seeing the crowd there getting really into the game. Uh, the Bills and Vikings game, this Packers and Dallas game, like there was a lot of good football, a lot of offense today. It was it was a good day of football. Yeah, and for a, for it being a bye week, it didn't feel like. Obviously, if you look at the scores, the fantasy scores, you're going to see a little bit of a, a lack of density when it comes to certain score levels. But it didn't feel like it was a low scoring week at all. Yeah, definitely. Well, first things first, we got to get to our injuries. The bad news out of the way first. Starting off, Leonard Fournette got a hip pointer in this game, which, you know, tends to be like a one to two week injury. After he left, though, Rashad White played pretty well in that backfield, getting his first 100 yard game as a pro. What'd you see out of Rashad White there? And what do you think about this Fournette injury? Well, hopefully it's not too, um, too severe of an injury for Fournette. I actually like the idea of having them be as a one-two combo because it keeps them both fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, Rashad White really has a lot of burst. Like he's he's yeah. exciting when he gets up the field. What I didn't actually like about how they used him is when they used him on like outside pitches because he wasn't beating the defenders to the corner where then he wasn't getting up field. Where I don't mind if he's kind of running outside, but try to get your foot in the ground and get up field. Where we saw that in between the tackles, that was where he was getting most of his really large gaps of. Of yard, he can just run straight ahead, full head of steam, yeah, and basically fearless. He almost kind of looks like how Daryl Henderson runs when he has space, but I think White's got a little bit more polish, a little bit more extra to his game than, than Henderson does, yeah. Moving on, we got Juju Smith Schuster getting a pretty scary concussion today. That's something like always with these concussions, you just have to monitor. Jerry Judy left with an ankle injury, in which he got rolled up on, uh, did not look very good. Uh, I don't have any additional information at this point, but another one where you're just going to have to watch and see what happens to him. Uh, Khalil Herbert also left with a hip injury, but again, not a lot of information at this point. Herbert's been someone who's been playing really well, but never quite getting the snaps we want. And then Zach Ertz left with a knee injury. He was actually carted off, so looking pretty bad there. But again, we don't know an outlook at this point. Before we get to our last big injury, out of these four, is there anything that you noticed or thought of? Um, there's a couple things. Starting off with Zach Ertz, it gives us an opportunity to see what we can see from a young Trey McBride. Usually we wait a couple years to see what we get from the tight end position, but this is an opportunity for him to get thrust into an offense that with Kyler is usually 
it's it's a high scoring from week to week on an average idea where some some weeks it sputters but more or less it'll give him opportunities to really be in positions to see what he can do inside of that offense and how he contrasts to Ertz because the thing with Ertz is Ertz is really a tactician he understands basically everything about the game and he can maximize his physical um, yeah. gifts where actually I think Trey McBride might be more physically gifted and has to really just yeah. learn how to play the position. For sure. Trey McBride, you know, he was the basically universal dynasty tight end one in rookie drafts this offseason, but we haven't really get to, got to see him yet. I think people started to forget about him because of Greg Dulcich uh, having such a good year. Uh, Trey McBride, Pretty good player. Before we get to our last injury, quick update for Sunday Night Football. We got a DeAndre Carter 32-yard touchdown reception to start the game off on the first drive of the game. Wasn't expecting that name to get the first touchdown, but here we are, DeAndre Carter. I did actually have to start him in one spot, so I will take it. (laughs) Um, I I actually want to talk a little bit about the Kansas City uh, wide receiver room with the injury to Juju. And there was uh, MVS did go to the medical tent. I don't know if there was anything after that. Well, something, come I found, back in. something I found interesting is that um, it was MVS's first touchdown with the Chiefs, which is, you know, you can look back and see that. But uh, to me, it was just surprising hearing it for the first time. I would have expected yeah. him to get at least one. But we did see kind of the responsibilities shift around with, um, I'm going to forget his name right now, with Tony. And he did get a, a pretty decent amount of targets as well as he did produce on those targets. So it will be interesting looking forward as to how they're going to kind of gel together or who's going to get what role. Yeah, and we, we might talk a little bit more about Kadarius Tony a little bit later. Last injury, though, Cooper Cup hit on an ankle again. Now, I'm not sure if it's the same ankle as before, but another ankle injury rolled up on again, trying to catch a pass late in the game. Again, out there late in the game. Uh, this one does not look good. He was having trouble putting any weight on it. Uh, Edwin Porras on Twitter, if you don't follow, you probably should be because I think he's one of the better uh, – doctors on Twitter out there was saying to him, it looks like best case scenario is a high ankle sprain, which is not a very good best case scenario. Thoughts on this, Tim. Well, usually high, high ankle sprains, usually six weeks minimum. So that'll really damper their schedule or their, their performance inside of their schedule in the next, however many weeks thinking six at the minimum, which could impact how they, you know, if they if they continue to lose, it could impact his even availability later in the season. They may just shut him down and say, "Hey, our season's done. There's no reason to risk your health." It was brutal yeah. when you when you saw the actual hit. Yeah, man, did not look he, The DB went low like immediately before the ball like even got there. So mm-hmm. it, it, it was. It, sorry, I I hate yeah. leg injuries, so it's just something that kind of that yeah, kind of plays it, with me. Something like that, you know, not only could end this season, but it could be something that just bothers him for, you know, who knows into next year, depending on how bad it actually is. If it's, you know, broken ankle, like that's a big deal. You know, it's going to affect him for a long time, especially somebody who relies on just quick cuts like he does uh, in his routes and run after the catch. It's, this is a, this is a tough scene for fantasy managers everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. The only thing that could have been worse is probably a knee injury for the guy that has to run routes or make cuts like he does ankles yeah. just got to be nearly as bad and we kind of saw that with uh keenan allen injuries earlier when he had like knee and lower leg injuries to start his career yeah let's move on to best and worst performances as a reminder this isn't necessarily just all the best and worst games these are the impactful ones starting off 
Justin Fields continuing to absolutely dominate, going 12 of 20, 167 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, but then ran 13 times, 147 yards, two touchdowns. He has, now has a 60-plus yard touchdown in two games, his last two games. I mean, he's just playing out of his mind right now, but they can't seem to win. I mean, for fantasy managers, like, you don't care if the Bears win at the end of the day, but it's it's just crazy how much he's doing on the field right now for them. Yeah, it's – it's what is he? QB – he was in the top five the last, like, five weeks. Is that what we're looking at right now? Yeah, and I believe he was just behind Patrick Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes in points per game um, since, like, week six. It was, like, point one behind Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, that's that's insane. I had a speaking point. I can't remember what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> it's okay. Dude. He 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 leaves you speechless with his play. He does. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I lost. I lost my train of thought. What I was going to say. <laughs> that's okay. That let's move on. Let's talk. It, this is what Justin Fields do, does to you. The way he performs in the field, it's incredible. The first touchdown run where he was like almost sacked, turned around, flipped direction find his way to the end zone this long touchdown run he had two weeks in a row like man i just can't believe what he can do right now it's unfortunate though only two people saw this coming this whole <laughs> it justin is, Fields it thing is coming. unfortunate moving on cd lamb 15 targets 11 catches 150 yards two touchdowns the actual best game of his career so far which I think fantasy managers everywhere, redraft dynasty, we all need to see a game like this out of him because it, it's just always right on the brink of it, right? For CD Lamb. It's been all potential and not quite there yet because we don't get games like this out of him. So I think this was a really big deal for Lamb and for fantasy managers everywhere. I think Lamb might have watched the Vikings Bills game and decided he <laughs> needed to be a little bit inspired by J Jeff because he yeah. made all the tough catches. He was, it was his ball today where a lot of times it's not, he makes, mm -hmm. he makes good on the easy targets or the open targets. But today he, he took some shots when he caught the ball and uh, converted in some uh, very important situations as well as got the touchdowns in a very, very important situations as well. This was, if, even if it wasn't statistically his best game, this was definitely his best game, just performance wise. Mm-hmm. Last best performer of the day, Christian Watson. Eight targets, four catches, 107 yards, three touchdowns coming in big for the Packers in their win. Shout out to our boy, Justin, JWB member. Uh, one of the bigger Christian Watson truthers around, but not a big enough of a truther to hold on to them in the JWB subscriber league as he dropped him this week and, he was and Watson was swiftly picked up by someone else. So now he cannot enjoy any of this on his team. You'll love to see it. It's nice. It's nice to the, the lack of, I told you so's. He actually <laughs> could have had four touchdowns if he was able to locate a ball a little bit quicker. It is good to see. Uh, I, I really appreciate as a Packer fan, the ability to see a receiver actually um, stack his cornerback because we haven't seen that in a long time. Unless Devonte Adams just twists the guy up before he gets the football. Um, I think these opportunities going forward are there because of the fact that Dobbs hands haven't been the greatest. They're still always looking for playmakers. I don't think Rogers really likes or trust Watkins, even on <laughs> the last game winning or last uh, game tying drive. I should say Watkins came back from the first down sticks. Yeah. Yeah. He, he had, lost the first down he yeah, had. He had a first down and gave it back. So that's just those situations are not things that Rogers is going to appreciate or let continue going forward. Because 
you know, this, this offense has to operate on a certain schedule and we can't be giving away first downs. Yeah. Very divisive uh, prospect coming in the NFL because he's really raw, but has all the physical gifts. There's a lot of opportunity there for him in Green Bay. It's just a matter of taking advantage of it. Yeah, I was I was worried about his ability to get open and things like that. But if Rodgers is able just to continue to put the ball on a platter for him and all he has to do is grab it off the platter, I, I it's going to be hard to see him not do things in the next upcoming weeks as long as he can stay healthy. Yeah. Worst performers time. We've got two of them this week, starting off with Amari Cooper. Three targets, three catches, 32 yards. The home road splits are absurd for Amari Cooper. He now only scores 4.6 half PPR points per game on the road when he scores nearly 20 points per game at home. I coming in this game, it was like this. I, I threw it out on Twitter. I'm, you know, I don't really tend to believe in home away splits that heavily, like th- this drastic, right? There's some existed like Ben Roethlisberger significantly better at home. Right. But this is just what, like, I, I don't know. Do we, do we rely on this at all? Like, uh, I was watching this game. Xavier Howard was on him on the whole game, but it looked like Cooper was still able to get open. It just looks like the coverage dictated Jacoby Brissett going other places this whole time. Uh, what do you think? Well, I think this is historically accurate where it's, this isn't the first time we've seen it. This isn't the first season we've seen it. Well, before it's it was dome and outside splits because he played in a dome in Dallas and there was the, there. So you had that narrative, right? Yeah. And you're playing in Miami, which should, have better weather than Cleveland unless he just isn't prone to liking humidity, but that's that we're going way off course. So I, I, I think there's something to it. I think there's always been something to it. It just, it's weird because uh, the receivers were able to get open today, uh, especially when, if you're looking at how people's Jones was targeted and I would assume Amari can at least win a matchup half the time, half the time or half the snaps. So it could yeah. have just been the way that the the pass rush and the coverage dictated today. But I think there is something to the historical significance of his inability to perform away from home. Yeah, it's almost uh, too real to deny at this point. Our next worst performer, Brandon Cooks. Seven targets, four catches, 37 yards, no touchdowns. I'll be honest, I thought there was a good chance for kind of a squeaky wheel game here for Cooks after the discourse he had with the Texans, you know, he obviously wanted to be traded at the trade deadline, didn't get traded. Then he sits out the next game, uh, but he came back for this one. I mean, he still got seven targets, but didn't do a whole lot with him. He's been outperformed by Nico Collins whenever they're both on the field together. This basically this entire year, he only has two games over 10 half PPR points, and he hasn't had any since week four. Um, you know, Brand Cooks is someone who's been a value in drafts for years. Is this the first year that that is gone? There was a conversation I'd heard on a previous pod earlier this week that he's finally performing at the area in which he gets drafted. That being said, he did have a touchdown today that got called back on the offensive line. So he did get a target in the red zone, and he did actually convert that target to his ability minus the penalty. I did notice, though, that Nico was getting a lot more red zone targets when they were in the red zone in the limited times that they were. I think a lot of it has to do with how the offense really kind of sputters with Mills. Mills doesn't doesn't put the team in terrible positions most of the time. I understand after the called back touchdown, he threw an interception the next play, but it seemed like it was just a forced ball based on the situation and what was remaining in the game. What would be really good for this team is if they were able to get points on the board earlier, they could kind of play a little bit freer going into the later quarters, but I don't see that happening with Mills. So 
I think we're going to continue to see this type of Brandon Cooks, especially if Nico Collins continues to come on and they have such a strong um, comparatively to last year running game with Pierce, which Pierce actually didn't have that great of a game until later and you know, as the game progressed and they became more dire to try to score points where it was just kind of slow in the first half. So I'm thinking that this is going to be more than normal Brandon cooks where you're, you're hoping for 10, but you're most likely going to get six to eight at best unless he is able to break one or they somehow up their, their prowess of on scoring points and staying on the field. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's one of the tough things. I mean, the, that was really the big sticking point for drafting Brandon cooks this year was like, this offense is probably pretty bad and you don't like drafting players on bad teams. It was just for him. It was, he's always been pretty good. Um, and he should get a, a bunch of opportunities. So he's worthwhile, but he's not really good on the opportunity he has for this year. No, there's, there's not quality targets that produce points, nor is he getting the ball and taking it up field to gain additional yardage on the limited targets he's getting. Yeah. Well, let's move on to uh, some weekly notes that we have, and uh, we're we're doing pretty good on time here, so I think we're just going to go one by one to start this off and see how far we get. Starting off with Kenneth Walker. He can catch passes. Today, he had eight targets, six catches, 55 yards. He wasn't able to do on his ground in his normal way against the tough Tampa Bay defense, but he was doing it through the air. Now, granted, they were basically all dump-offs, but I was, uh, was talking with someone about this on Twitter, and basically that... It's just a big deal that he is out there in those hurry up situations to be available for the dump offs, because that's not something that was happening to start, you know, the season or once he got the job or anything like this is, this is new territory for Kenneth Walker to be out there in all of those situations and get these dump off passes. This was actually my biggest takeaway of the, of the early games. I understand there were a lot of them, but I came away with a smile on my face after this because yes, they might just be dump offs. But Kenneth Walker is really playing as a veteran. He knows when to get down, even on a, a, when he's rushing outside or rushing towards a, a spot on the field, he knows when to kind of give up the run, play it safe. But even on the, the dump-offs or the receptions he has, he's creating a very easy target for Gino, and very mature hands in the way he kind of proceeds to catch the ball. So I think this is something that you're going to see a lot more going forward because I think they have a lot more faith in him and he's actually very safe in the way he operates in the passing game. So I really like what I saw from him today. Yeah, it's great to see. The only That was basically the only knock you could have on Kenneth Walker. We knew he was an extremely talented runner. It was just, would you catch passes in the NFL? All right, we've got the Najee Harris revival. Best game of the year, basically. Uh, 20 carries, 99 yards. He hasn't had a day running the ball like that all season. He hadn't had above 74 rushing yards previously. Uh, the Steelers themselves had a pretty good day against the Saints defense running the ball. Jalen Warren had a good day. Kenny Pickett was getting in there. Um, now, I'm not into Najee Harris even with this. Like, this doesn't get me excited for him. Uh, but I think it's, wor- it's worth bringing up because if he's still on your team, maybe this is your opportunity to get anything for him if you if your trade deadline has not passed yet. Yeah, I think so too, because his long, he had a long run of 36 in this game, which then he averages just over three yards a carry for the rest of the carries. So it seemed like it was a volume plus finding areas to kind of break through. That could be that picket isn't that great of a passer yet or isn't considered a threat that much by the defense. But even when he gets in there, he almost, he, he really reminds me of Trent Richardson. Like 
the same way we were excited about Trent Richardson, but now he's like the same Trent Richardson missing holes, literally running into the back of his line, not, not, um, not running with conviction. Yeah. Not, not breaking open games where he should be able to take advantage of positions or holes on the, on the defense. And I honestly, I, it's only one play and I don't ever want to hold a a guy to one play, but that third and three where he caught the ball and danced just running and getting the first down irks me because it's like that is your job and i'm not sure if he's even looking to be like protecting himself it just looked like he was i'm gonna do something else besides you know my major function which is running guys over yeah all he had to do is put his head down and move forward and he would have gotten that first down Mm -hmm. but he couldn't do it so i'm with you i the thing is like i coming into the season he was so violent in the preseason it was he was such the back that you wanted and then like Anything of that sort just went away when the season started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough to see. He turned out to be one of the biggest landmines in fantasy coming into this year. All right, Kadarius Tony, like we kind of alluded to before, five targets, four catches, 57 yards, touchdown. Also had two rushes for 33 yards. The touchdown was not anything fancy. If you saw the play, he was basically uncovered. Uh, it was a six-yard touchdown catch and no one was within 20 yards of him when he caught the ball even though they were on the goal line which is a testament to how uncovered he was but he was really efficient with his touches in here and with the juju concussion we don't know what's going to happen with him there uh there's plenty of opportunity in front of him uh we had no Cole hardman this game we're after we'll have to pay attention to what happens with him but i think we're probably in the same boat there were never really a Cole hardman believer so hey it's there for him what do you think well, Tony was absolutely the last progression in Patrick Mahomes' uh, <laughs> progression on that play where he scored the touchdown. Yeah. And luckily, he was wide open, and luckily, he didn't step out of bounds. But he did produce later in the, the second half where he was doing a lot of really successful plays on the sideline where then um, he was finding just really small spots to get open and then still catch the ball and produce. I do like the uh, the fact that he was in as a rusher because that shows that they're willing and able to put him in other positions besides just catching the ball because they, they recognize his other tools. As well as Pacheco, he has – before this game, I don't know snap shares yet, but before, but before this game, he never was above like 28% in any game. And I was actually expecting that this game would be different because of the fact that they would be able to be ahead and not be playing catch-up, that we would see some more success from him. But then when he fumbles very early in the game, that doesn't bode well for the rest of the game plan or the rest of the game. So they shifting some responsibility from the running backs to Tony. I do like seeing um, even McKinnon had some targets and he had a wide open one. He dropped that was just absolutely awful. I could see them shifting more and more responsibility to Tony in some sort of out of the backfield receiving um, responsibility as well. Well, there is an interesting tidbit in there too, in that uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire was basically non-existent this game and we may have seen them switch to just a Pacheco McKinnon backfield at this point Pacheco had 16 carries McKinnon had one CEH none uh CEH had two targets didn't catch any of them but then McKinnon had eight and Pacheco had no targets so this seems like a pretty clear Pacheco's our first and second down guy McKinnon's our third down guy and Clyde Edwards Hilaire is just there in case someone needs a breather yeah zero points I noticed that very early today. I was like, CH, no points. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. That I, I'm wondering if, if there's going to be any situation in which we can actually see Pacheco use his speed because we haven't seen any sort of breakaway run that he can 
show off a little bit. Yeah, you know, I think uh, his vision, which is one of his issues, is preventing him from really getting there. Uh, hopefully he can correct that, but it's true. Like, that is that is a team that opens up holes and areas for people to operate in, <laughs> even as running backs, and um, we haven't really seen a, a breakaway run like that for Pacheco yet. Justin Jefferson, in his heroic performance, 16 targets, 10 catches, 193 yards, a touchdown, the catch of the year, and maybe with the catch of the decade on that fourth and 18, I believe it was, 32-yard catch, one-handed with a defender trying to rip it out of his hands. Unbelievable stuff. I don't know how he, once he got it down to his side, where he was like almost <laughs> yeah. falling on his on Unreal. his butt, how does he hold on to it there? He inspired the team to come back today, inspired them to win, made even a gritty catch later. <laughs> 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 I wasn't even trying to use the play on words, <clears throat> but even uh, he was very gritty down by the goal line, took a shot right to the ribs, still hold on. Yeah. He was the lifeblood of this team today. Let off with the uh, first touchdown, all that stuff. Is it safe to say that Jeff, Justin Jefferson is the one-on-one next year? Uh, he is for me. I actually, he was my wide receiver one going into the season. I do like what I see from Chase, the explosions and things like that, but I feel like Jefferson's more likely to get you 30 every game. Versus Chase giving you ten so and then giving you forty-five, I'll take the thirty every game. Yeah, yeah. They're you know Chase, him, Cup. They're all special in their own way. I think Justin Jefferson is the most complete special wide receiver we have in the NFL. He's unreal, absolutely unreal. Next, another wide receiver giving him a run for his money. Nick Westbrook Akine, eight <laughs> targets, five catches, one hundred nineteen yards, two touchdowns. Um. This isn't something that you'd expect from Nick Westbrook Akine. It's not something I'd expect the rest of the year, but I think it's worth mentioning because, you know, Robert Woods is old, getting broken down, not really doing much. Traylon Burks, rookie, uh, dealt with injuries, slow to get going. Like the opportunity is there for a wide receiver one in the offense that, I mean, that wide receiver one position isn't the most valuable thing in fantasy football on that team. But I mean, he could be like someone that we want on our rosters, like that you could see yourself starting, right? And flexing. It's possible. What do you what do you think? I, I the first thing I questioned about this was was the impact that Traylon Burks brings when he came back from injury something that allowed Nick Westbrook Akine to succeed today. I've always been a fan of his. Taking I know coverage good, away. I, yeah, I know he's a good blocker, things like that. His second touchdown, he was absolutely wide open. And then outran pursuing defenders to the end zone, which is great. I'm happy he did it. I'm so happy yeah, he had right. a good week. But even the week prior, he didn't get a he didn't get a target. So I'm less likely. I have him on some rosters, but I'm less likely to ever yeah. trust him to to expect points from him. But I'd be hopeful if I were ever to start him. I don't think you could really even pursue a trade with him right now. I don't think you're going to have any suitors. So if you do have him on your roster, just hold on and hope that maybe this sets up into some sort of uh, easy flex, double-digit type of average going forward, and then you can use them, which would be nice. But I am rooting for him. I just I think that it was more of a, of a fluke for the second touchdown. It was a great reception in the corner of the end zone to start uh, his mm -hmm. first touchdown. But I'm not sure there's a lot of um, a lot of tangible stuff to hang on to from this performance. Yeah, my takeaway is depending on bench size, he should be someone who's who's rostered. You know, um. Leagues where you have like five bench spots, maybe not uh, six to eight. Like, yeah, I, I think I want Nick Westbrook on my bench. Nick Westbrook, Kikini. 
Moving on to Jawan Johnson. Is he a tight end one? Seven targets, five catches, 44 yards, and a touchdown today. He scored in three of his last four games. He's been targeted a good amount. Been a lot of injuries on that offense as well, though, to the pass catchers. What do we think about Jawan Johnson? I think it depends on what quarterback is in there. I know that Jameis has targeted him, but the target share kind of fluctuates in random kind of randomness where if he's successful in his early targets, he seems to get more later, which I actually, I think he's a pretty solid tight end. And I think they've been trying for Troutman and Troutman has shown some stuff, but he doesn't seem explosive enough to be the downfield producer that Jawan Johnson can be. And Jawan Johnson's already proven that he can be a red zone target as well. So I think it just go going forward is really going to depend on how the, the quarterbacks prefer to target which receivers and, and when, where this might be, like you said, way different if they had their full extent of their wide receiver room available to them. But I mean, I, I'm going to be chasing the production at tight end if I don't have one of the top three guys. Right. There, there are plenty of people who are in situations where they've been trying to stream tight end. And if you picked up Jawan Johnson this week to play him, maybe you're hanging on to Jawan Johnson for a little while. Uh, JT, Jonathan Taylor gets a bounce back bang, bounce back game coming back from an injury. 22 carries, 147 yards and a touchdown, as well as two targets. Caught them both for 16 yards. Uh, I definitely had some worry for Jonathan Taylor coming back from this injury. Uh, seemed like it could be a lost season for the Colts. You know, uh, I'm not the only person to question if Jonathan Taylor was really going to be uh, playing the whole year. Maybe we get shut down at some point, same way we're talking about Cooper Cup. Uh, he looked like Jonathan Taylor today. Yeah, anyone that bought low, I probably did a good job buying low in the last month or so. There were rumblings that it could have been Zach Moss today, earlier in the week, that <laughs> right. Jonathan Taylor wasn't even playing. So it's it's great to see him back. Great to see him healthy. He was definitely out running people, so he hasn't lost anything. Uh, mm -hmm. like he had that long touchdown run. Would have been nice to see him not bobble the two point conversion. But <laughs> I mean, there. What I really like is that he's been ball. He's getting involved both in the passing and running game. So like you're going to see them maximizing his scores out when it comes to fantasy football production. Yeah. In the Chargers and 49ers, we have a fumble from Brandon Ayuk giving the Chargers the football. Already in scoring position. See what they can do here. This the Chargers, you know, uh, they were pretty good underdogs going in this game. They could jump up on the 49ers here. It'd be really interesting to see. Our last note we've got here. James Conner, workhorse, 21 carries, 69 yards, two touchdowns, three targets, three catches, 17 yards. He had all but one of the running back opportunities for the team, which uh has not really been the case. Uh, when he's been healthy this year. We've seen a lot of Eno Benjamin mixed in. Um, this week it was just one carry for uh, Keontae Ingram. If he's going to be getting all the touches, even if he's his old inefficient self and getting them near the goal line, he could be back to a low-end uh, running back one here for us. Absolutely. You got to play him. He's, he's producing like he like you would hope even Saquon Barkley would in terms of touchdowns and touches and all that other stuff. And yeah, Keontae Ingram with one five-yard carry really didn't dismiss anyone uh, anyone's feelings towards um, James Conner at all this week. Yeah, I, I think Conner, I mean, it's probably too late now after two touchdown game, but he was a, a player who was a buy-low candidate, I would say, um, just based on how he was used last year compared to this year. Um, 
it's it's good to see him getting back to like like this before like this. He was you know a third round pick in redraft uh, drafts this year, uh, so people are counting on James Conner. So it, it's good to see him have a game like this. Yeah, I was very surprised to see how quickly the Rams decided they were just going to turn over and give up. They didn't seem to be very interested in staying in the game. Obviously, Ramsey likes to compete and things like that, but even he got beat today. Yeah, that's just a a, a lost season, like there, like a lost season to end all lost seasons for the Rams coming off the Super Bowl. Everything's crumbling around them. Uh, the really the fact that uh, Andrew Whitworth retired and that offensive line just can't do anything uh, has just ruined that offense, and they can't compete without it. Yeah, they'll probably throw more money at it and see what happens. But hey, they're trying to throw first round picks around for Brian Burns that I didn't know they even had the picks to send. You know, did you see that rumor? Multiple, multiple multiple first round round picks, and and a second. I feel like I think I heard two for Mm -hmm. for Brian Burns. I that's that. I guess that's how they operate. They got a Super Bowl win. It's worth it in the end. You got the win, but they're going to be bad for some time now. I have a feeling. Yeah, they're going to have to get very lucky on hitting on offensive linemen where they both have the tech, the technique, strength, and chemistry to really build a line there. Otherwise, you know, yeah. how long do they have Stafford for? Let's say Stafford plays another two years. Then you're looking to rebuild your whole quarterback position. And if you don't have a line to protect them, which one you got to choose which one you go first with, you know? Yeah, and it takes time to develop an offensive line just because you get some talent on the offensive line or it doesn't mean that it's going to work. They need time to gel work with each other well that wraps it up for week 10 of the good the bad and the box score make sure you like subscribe and follow while you're here so you can get all of our content in your feed we've got lots of shows coming out every week to help you get ready to win your fantasy leagues make sure to go and follow us on twitter at jwb underscore ff you can find all of our content on jwbfantasyfootball.com as well we'll see you next time